let's get into the word of the Lord. Today I'm speaking on the subject transformation. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse number six to eighteen. Shall we hear the word of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter three, from six to sixteen. Who also who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds more, much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the old. Because the veil is taken away in Christ, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, their veil is taken away. 17. Now the Lord is the spirit, and mm. where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But when all, when sorry, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mi mirror, the glory of the Lord, mm. are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you. Um, we thank God today for such a glorious word. The topic today is um, transformation. And when we talk about transformation, we know that transformation happens when um, something that is in an old state, moving in a different form into a different state. So um, I think um, scientists will be in a position to help us here um, when it comes to transformation. That is, um, we can convert, we can transform an electrical energy into um, um, maybe a heat energy. So for example, um, the light we see, many a time you touch it, you can see a heat or um, the ion, you can see that an electrical energy is the same electrical, the same electrons that has been transformed from um, being um, an electrical power into a heat. So when we talk about transformation here, um, that is what the spirit of the Lord is going to unveil to us. That is you are in the same state. You don't need to move to a different state. You are in the same state. You are in the same position, but you can be transformed into a different person. So um, that is what we're going to look at today. And I believe in my spirit and I believe in my heart that um, when we are done with this word, we will be transformed. So we see here that uh, many a time I've been telling you that whenever the word of God is um, being read, um, there are a few things that we need to take into consideration. 
who is saying it, where is the person saying it, and what are the specific people that are being spoken to? Because when we are speaking to um, people, we have to also look at their um, their state of being. Is Paul speaking to young people? Is Paul speaking to old people? What is even their profession? We have to look at all these things because there are certain messages here that you will understand that if you take the same message to a certain part of Ghana, they will not understand. And um, there are certain messages that will be preached in Ghana. If you bring such a message here to your understanding, you will not get it all. Um, there are certain things that you do, if you, or if you talk about it to me now, unless you explain it deeper, then that I will understand. So um, anytime we read the word of God, this is what we need to always look at. Who is writing? What is the target group? What is the target audience um, that um, the, that word is being spoken to? And we also look at their circumstance or what some people call the, the circumstantial event at that time. What is forcing the writer or the speaker or the author to um, alter um, or give such words out? So we see here Apostle Paul. So in Second Corinthians, that is, Apostle Paul's second epistle to the church in Corinth. And um, he begins to address Moses and his ministry. Apostle Paul begins to address the ministry of Moses and his ministry. So in theology, we call it apologia or apologetics. Apologia means that defending your cause or defending your ministry. So if I am to... Um, taking you through theology, I would say that Apostle Paul apologetically begins to defend his ministry, that my ministry is more glorious or my ministry is more greater than the ministry of that of Moses. And why is Apostle Paul saying this to the church in Corinth? One of the things that we have to understand is that um, Apostle Paul's ministry was always challenged with religion. Apostle Paul's ministry was always challenged with Judaism. So Apostle Paul will come here, preach about Jesus Christ, preach about a life that is in Jesus Christ, and people will come and say that, no, it shouldn't be so. Before you can be loved by God, you need to obey the laws of Moses. So that is what Apostle Paul was experiencing in his days, even as it is today among the black communities. You can see someone saying, as for me, I, I believe in Sabbath. I do Sabbath. Even <laughs> you don't know what you are talking about. I, I believe in Sabbath. I do Sabbath. And if you do Sabbath and you believe in Sabbath, you are telling me that the death of Christ on the cross is of no effect. Even I believe in the laws of Moses, I do the commandments of God. Therefore, I, you know how stiff sometimes we become. So we end up becoming very judgmental. There is something funny that is going on in Ghana. I mean, it just popped up on my Twitter and I just laughed. Um, we, we are not. Uh, and I see some pastors putting it on their WhatsApp status. You know, Ghana is not a gay nation. You know, it's not a gay nation. We are not ready for gay. Then we ask ourselves that the way we are so strong when it comes to these things, why don't you also become strong in talking about corruption? Let's also talk about corruption. 
and let's be strong on corruption. And when we talk about corruption here, my argument is that corruption must be built on an individualistic concept, not on the populace, because we make corruption a mass thing, but individually we are very corrupt. Yes, so let's talk about that. And let's talk about our individual selves. Let's talk about our individual selves. The things that are very harmful to the environment, the things that are very harmful to our neighbor, that is what we are very capable of doing, that I will be successful to the detriment of the human rights of my neighbor. We know that one. Let's talk about that one. High voltage of electricity. You, can, you know what I'm talking about. You know that you are not uh, connecting your electrical power from the original or from the authentic source. You know it. You will lie to an electrician to come and connect to you. And be because from the higher source of where it is coming from, we know the kilowatts, your community is, is consuming more than it's meant to consume. You connected it, but you did it by connection. So the way we are so stern and radio stations will begin to do, we are not that, but we know, we know. So let's be fair on some certain things. And this is what Apostle Paul argument is about. So if we are to talk about some of these things, then let's be real with ourselves. So we, we, we all default in some certain ways. We all default in some certain ways. So that is what Apostle Paul is talking about to the church, in, to the Gentile church. So if you're the pastor, you are telling me that you don't understand the grace of God, the love of God, and you are telling me the member that unless I fast, unless I do some certain thing that God, I, I receive the appreciation of God, then Apostle Paul is saying that then we don't understand the grace of God. Then we are also corrupted. So the reason why, now if you tell someone come to church, the person is not interested to come to church because he has the notion that the church has been a place of do's and don'ts. And when you tell them, go to church, the person will tell you that, you know what? I have not finished sinning. You let me continue my sin. When I finish, when the time is due, I will come to church. And that is why I want you to know that also gathering is not like that. The gay is welcomed. Yes, I am telling you that. The, the alcoholic is welcomed. The drug addict is welcomed. The homeless is welcomed. Everybody is welcomed. That is my stance. So in the process of Apostle Paul's reason with the, um, the, the church in, in Corinth, we see here that Apostle Paul complaining why the Israelites were unable to contemplate the grand design of the promulgation of the law of Moses. And I say that their blindness will not be removed before they embrace the dispensation of Christ. So the legal cause, um, to many of us, those of you, maybe um, if you don't, um, you want to know about the Ten Commandments, I have, I have taught about the Ten Commandments, of, which is called the Decalogue. So you can get that message um, from, um, if you ask uh, my leaders, they can help you get it. Or if you're in a brotherhood or in a sisterhood, you can request for it, because I've given an in-depth um, teachings on that subject, the Ten Commandments. Because we have to understand here that 
the Israelites, so Apostle Paul's greatest anger was that there was a real reason why God gave the Ten Commandments. There was a real reason why God gave the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments that the Lord gave, let me just brush, let me just push this in, that the Ten Commandments were not statutory uh, codes, or it wasn't a statutory law. Now, when we talk about a statutory law, it is a law that is binded with a penalty. So for example, if right now, as we are here, if anything happens to, um, let me give an example, maybe you are meant to pay a debt in United Kingdom and you default in that debt. Um, the second thing they can do is that the law, which is statutory, gives um, that body or that agency the audacity to come to you, use a different agency um, to chase you for their debt or to chase you for you to pay the debt. Then if you are not able to do that, it is by law that they are meant to take you to court and whatever the court is meant to do, maybe plays a, a penalty on you for you to pay. So this is how it goes. If you are not able to pay, maybe you may be imprisoned until you pay. So that is what we call a statutory law. So a statutory law goes with a penalty. But with the laws of God that was given to Moses for the Israelite, it wasn't statutory. The Ten Commandments was not statutory. God gave these commandments to them as a result of his love as a result of his grace, as a result of his justice. So that is the main purpose of the law. Then people began to have challenges with the law. People began to have their own definitions about the law. I, will, I want us to read them, um, uh, just rush to Matthew chapter 15, verse one to six. Matthew chapter 15, verse one to six. Jesus also made that same statement today. Um, I, will, I, will, I will just run there. Say that, Matthew 15, verse 1 to 6, he said that, why do your disciples try, transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their, their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God? Because of your traditions, for God, for, for, for God commanded saying, honor your father and mother, and he who curses the father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So you can see here that the law talks about you need to honor your mother and your father. Then the people builds up their own um, statutory attached to it or their statutory laws attached to it. And what was their statutory law that if you um, disobey your father or disobey your mother, go and pay a covenant offering to God in the church, in the synagogue, or give it to a priest, a priest to pray for you. But that is not what God meant. That was not what God meant. What God meant was that, honor your mother, honor your father, then I will bless you or your days may be elongated. So the council of elders now sat down and said, no, for us to make people obey the law, let us add our own to it. 
So one of the things about the laws that was given by Moses, and I want to prove it here, that one of the laws that was given to God by Moses to the people of Israel, a lot of them were changed by, by the leaders. A lot of them were changed by the council, that is the leaders of Israel, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the priests. A lot of these laws were changed and it was changed because it was meant to be a fit so that as time moves on, as time evolves, people will understand um, the law in their own way. So the law that was also given by God to the people of Israel, we can see from Matthew chapter 15 that they also added their own to it. And the same thing applies to us. So that is why we have to understand that the, the commandments of God was not static. It was flexible. It was subject to change. The same thing applies to um, the law of the daughters of Zelophehad. In those days, women were not were not meant to be in, um, were not meant to have inherit to inherit a father's a father's property. They had to change the law. So Moses now changed the law or added to it in Deuteronomy chapter five. So if you look at the whole books of Exodus, Exodus deals with Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. They deals with laws. But let me come into Deuteronomy. The main purpose of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is what we call a refinement of the of all the laws. So before Moses was about to pass away, he realized that some of the laws, its application were not feasible or its application were, were, were not concrete. So what Moses did was that he had to now reform. So the book of Deuteronomy, the whole book of Deuteronomy, the concept of the book of Deuteronomy is known as book of reformation. Are you getting the revelation now? So Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, they were the laws, but Deuteronomy was dealing with a reformed law. That is some of the laws that they felt that its application was not feasible to us. Moses had to now reform it. So the reformation had gone on even from ages till past till our days. Reformations had gone on from ages till past, even to our days. So that is why Apostle Paul is saying that even if our days, as we are in 2021, if I come here to you to enforce on you that obey the law of God, obey the law of God, obey the law of God, then I am making you miss the real intent of God for your life. I am making you miss the real purpose of God for your life. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we see here that Apostle Paul referring to the laws of Moses and by alluding to it as the law of death. So Apostle Paul refers to the laws of Moses as the law of death. And what does it mean by a law that is a law of death? A law that is a law of death, here means that it has an expiration date. That is, the law has expired. It has an expiration date. The law of Moses, Apostle Paul describes them as a law that is expired. That now it is time for us, to whoever that is listening to me this morning, that you will now leave the law of death and come to a law of life. And what is this law of life? One of the things that we have to understand here is that with the law of death and the law of life, 
there is what we call a spirit in these two laws. There is what we call a spirit in these two laws. And Apostle Paul's argument was that I am dealing with a glory that even the law of death, there is something that is very key here. The law of death talks about glory. The law of life also talks about glory. The law of death talks about the presence of God. The law of life also talks about the presence of God. So when we read 2 Corinthians chapter number three, he said that now he has made us able ministers of the new covenant, that is the law of life, and not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So what is he talking about, the law of the spirit and the law of the letter? He says, if I read a book and I obey it, if I'm reading Bible and I am obeying it, then I have lost the power. For example, if you go to any company, there may be some rules and regulations in the company that you are meant to obey those rules and those company. You just want to fit in that company, not like you like the company, but you just want to fit in the company. And that is why you are just obeying those laws. So you wake up at exactly 7 a.m. Maybe work starts at 8 a.m. You wake up at exactly 7 a.m. And you exactly 8 a.m. you are at work. But you know for sure that maybe day that you are on leave or you are on holidays, your time of waking up is maybe around 9 a.m. So you are not just going to work at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. because you love the company, but it is because of what you will get at the end of the month. So Apostle Paul said that if we look at the letter, then we miss it. But when we move from the place of the letter to the place of the spirit, then what we are doing here is that it becomes a lifestyle. So if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 further, he said that we are the epistles. So the Christian life, we are not people of the law. We are not people of the letter. We don't just read letter and obey it like someone, a worker in a company that just obey the laws. And even if he leaves the company, he has his own life. He says, no, but for the Christian life, he says, we believe in the things of the spirit and it becomes part of us. And the reason why Apostle Paul used the letter spirit here is that he is talking about a place where your Christian life becomes very possessive. Your Christian life becomes extremely possessive. And possessive here means that everything that the Lord has said over my life is true and amen. Everything that the Lord has declared over my life, there is nothing that can take it away. So what is the argument Apostle Paul is talking about? The argument was that, and that is why many a time people talk about, oh, the old, the old, the, 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 the old glory, um, the past glory. We wish our olden days was better than today. Our olden days was better than today. Apostle Paul said that, no, we are no more in the olden days. We shouldn't glorify things that have passed. We shouldn't glorify things that are old. In our new days, God is about to do greater things. God is about to do mightier things. God is about to do things that will blow people's mind. And the very moment our mindset is set in the past, Apostle Paul's argument is that we will miss what God is about to do. 
So in the black community, in the African community, if we are ready for the move of God, he said, let's forget about the past. Yes, we understood Kwame Nkrumah did something. We understand that one. We understood they came to do something. Yes, we understand. We understand that Martin Luther King Jr. came to do something. Yes, we understand. But what is God telling us is that, yeah, there is a new glory that will be revealed in us. A new glory is coming in us, and the new glory that is coming in us is greater than the old glory. A new glory that will be revealed in you and me, it is greater than the old glory. So don't hold on to your past. Let us know, hold on to our past. So you can see a lot of Christians, all their mindset is about the past. But God is telling me that to, to you today that it is time for us to leave the past. Maybe you had bad news yesterday. It is for the past. Maybe you had you, you, you failed yesterday. It is for your past. But your new life is that God is about to reveal something greater through you to the world. So he says, let us forget the things of the past and let us now focus on the new glory. Your new glorious life, a life of victory, your new glorious life, a life of favor, your new glorious life, a life of honor. So this is what Apostle Paul says. He says that, so Apostle Paul claims that God's glory permeated Moses' ministry. So Apostle Paul understood a glory that permeated Moses' ministry. It was a glory, so people could see that glory. Especially when they were, even when they were, they were going to the promised land, the Bible says they were covered in glory. They were covered in glory. Sometimes you can see a Christian who is still, who still needs the anointing of um, uh, maybe someone in the Bible or old people in the Bible. He said that no. And even in my days, Apostle Paul is telling us that I shouldn't even talk about I, when, I, when I'm building on what he did in, in, in the book of Acts. He said that that should, be, that, should, that should remain there. My work is that I should not think about doing greater than what Apostle Paul did. And that is what Jesus said. He said that the thing that I do, greater, if you believe in me, greater will you do. So what is the Christian life? The Christian life is that you get hold of something and you transform it into something else. So we get hold of the glorious life and we will transform the glorious life into something else. We will not change it and we will transform it into something else. What is the Christian life? The Christian life is that the state that you are in right now, God is using such a state Maybe you may find yourself in misery. God will use your misery to cause a miracle to your generation. Why am I meant to know that God can use it to perform a miracle in my generation? Because I am a vessel of the glory of God wherever I find myself. What do we mean by glory? The Greek word of glory means doxa. And the Hebrew word for glory means Shekinah. Now, when we talk about Shekinah or the doxa, it is an inexpressible presence of the deity, either Yahweh or Jehovah, an inexpressible. So we, they couldn't use exact words to express it. 
they couldn't use exact words to express. So that is why they gave the word Shekinah or the glory. So what is the relevance of Shekinah or glory to me in these end times? What it means is that you will be a Christian and nobody can doubt you. You will be a Christian and nobody can determine where you come from and where you are going. Jesus said that so long as nobody knows that we, we, we have a feel of the wind, we don't know where it is coming from and we don't know where it is going. He said that is the same way my spirit is. So who is now a child of glory? A child of glory is someone who wherever you stand, nobody can determine your beginning. Nobody can determine your end. Your life becomes unpredictable. That which is meant for people to fail, you will go to that same area and you will be a miracle. That which is meant for people to crash, you will hold on to that thing and your life will be elevated. That which is meant for people to die, you will pass through that same thing and you will be experiencing a new kind of life. That is what is called the glory of God. So we will get hold of something and we will transform it into something else. The doxa of God. The doxa of God. So in 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul now sets a contrast. And what is the contrast? He says that the letter kills. The letter kills. And that light, the, the one that is in Christ, which is the spirit, it gives life. Apostle Paul talks about the Ten Commandments as the ministry of death. And that of Jesus Christ, known as the ministry of life. Apostle Paul talks about the ministry of, of, um, of Moses. He calls it the ministry of condemnation. And that of Jesus Christ, he calls it the ministry of righteousness. And he calls it the, um, the, 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 that of Moses. He calls it that which was abolished. And that which is of Jesus Christ, he calls it that which abides forevermore. As I'm bringing my word to a close, I came to build you today. Why are they saying that the laws of Moses were abolished because some of them were expired. Even Moses himself had to change a lot of the laws. He had to reform some of the laws. But that of Jesus Christ abides forever. And what do we mean by that of Jesus Christ? That of Jesus Christ is a spirit in you right now. So in the days of Apostle, in the days of Prophet Moses, in the days of Moshe, they saw his face, that the face was glorified. But in our days, Apostle Paul is telling us that we are no more in, 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 in a place where we need glorification or external sparkling. He says it is no more. However, that glory is now dwelling in you. So those days, Moses' face would just gl be glorified that everybody will see it. And he said it was even a glory that will pass away. Why was it a glory that was passing away? Because as soon as Moses finished reading the, 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 the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel, the, the glory will pass away. So many a time what happened was that when Moses stands before the people of Israel, when he stands before them and he's talking, they see that his face, his face is glorified or his face begins to sparkle. But there is an amazing thing that happens afterwards. And the amazing thing that happens afterwards is that 
when he finishes reading, people can't even come close to him. And within that time, in no time, that glory goes. So it was a passing glory. But we are not talking about a glory. So the same way we people could not behold the face of Moses. Apostle Paul is saying that now that glory is in us. So wherever we find ourselves, people can no more behold us. There is a new glory that is in us. And Apostle Paul says that it is a glory that abides forever. And he says, how can we be? So if you are listening to me, how can I be a person that is glorified? He's saying that you also, what do you do? Now, Apostle Paul is talking to the church, in, to the Gentile church. Now he's not preaching to them. So if you want to get greater than Moses' glory, because let me tell you this. I am bigger than Moses. That is what you need to understand. You are bigger than Elijah. You are bigger than Elisha. You are bigger than all the old prophets. You are bigger than Solomon. That is what we, I want you to understand this morning. So if we are still stuck in the wisdom of Solomon, we both say that we are getting it wrong. It is time for us to transform to a new kind of life. And that life is greater than the old one. And what is the new life? He said that that life is in Christ Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus and you accept him, he dwells in you. It becomes a possessive spirit that your glory transcends through you to the world. So Apostle Paul's one was an outward one. Ours were, ours would be an inside one. He said the glory will abide in you forever. The glory of God will abide in you forever. So Apostle Paul said that Apostle Paul is not talking to the to the, to the Corinthian church, that if you want to receive the glory, how are you going to receive it? He says, the more you look into the word of God, he says, the more you look into the word of God, you will be transformed into that glory. So many a time he used the word mirror. He said that with a mirror, as soon as you look at a mirror, a mirror will tell you your real self. A mirror will tell you um, whether maybe you need to do this or you need to do that. But he says the word of God now, the gospel now becomes your mirror. That the more you look into the mirror, you will be transformed into the glorious nature of God. The, the more you look into the mirror, everything about your world begins to change. The more you look into the mirror, everything about your environment begins to change. The more you look into the mirror, so what is the mirror? The mirror of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is that it does no more tell me that I'm a sinner. It does no more tell me that I'm a failure. It does no more tell me that uh, there is a curse in my family. It does no more tell me that demons are chasing my life. It does no more tell me that I am sick. It does no more tell me that I am nobody. The mirror that I am looking at is that, yes, I understand my weakness. Yes, I understand my failures. Yes, I understand my, all the things that I, 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 am, I am encountered with. I, I, I understand all my entanglements. But the more I look into the mirror of Jesus Christ, the more I look into the gospel, he says, I am transformed into the glory. I am transformed into a new glory. He saying that, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding us in the mirror, the glory of the Lord. So beholding here means that you steadfastly look at it. You, you fix your gaze on it. It becomes possessive. 
So how do I hold the mirror of God? I'm not a failure. I am not a failure. I'm not a loser. I am not cursed. I am not cursed. I am my body. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am not sick. I am not sick. I will not go back. It doesn't matter what the environment tells me. My God doesn't tell me that. It doesn't matter what the nations tell me. My God doesn't tell me that. He said, the more you look into it, Jesus said, I have come that I might have life that he might have it more abundantly. The more I look into the mirror, he says, I am being transformed into the self-same image of God. This is the kind of life God wants us to have. So this time around, you don't need God was, I'm going to my hometown, cover me with your blood, cover me with fire. <laughs> you don't need that. No, because that glory is already in you. That glory is in you. And when we talk about glory, the glory of the Lord, Apostle Paul uses the word Lord. The reason why he didn't use God is that he used the word Lord. Because, because of time, I want to end my message here right now. But let me give a revelation here. Apostle Paul did not use the word God. He used the word Lord. And the word Lord simplifies or simply means dominion. Or uh, the Lord, which is... Um, in a way spelled Baal. So there is no God that is God, God of Baal. So if you have been praying against Baal, he's a wrong prayer. There is no God called Baal. Understand that. So when we talk about the Lordship of God, we are talking about the dominion of God. We are talking about the establishment of God. So wherever you find yourself, you don't see yourself as a normal person. Wherever you find yourself, you don't see yourself as a human being, that the glory of the Lord is in that place. What does it mean? It means that wherever I find myself, the dominion of God, oh, I pray you understand these things. Uh, the dominion of God is found in that place. Wherever I find myself, the the, the dominion of God, the, the establishment of God, it means that every power must bow. Every power, every thinking must bow. Why? Because I am the glory of God. And he said, the more I look into it, I am transformed into the self-same image of our God. The Lord is telling me I should prophesy to somebody here. What is the glory in our days? In this family, God is raising strategic thinkers. In this family, God is raising billionaires. In this family, God is raising visionaries. In this family, God is raising entrepreneurs. Yes, that is the glory. In this family, so they were actually, God is raising, God is raising intellectuals. In this family, what is the glory? God is raising people of wealth through cryptocurrency, through forest trading. So that is the glory. So in the glory, maybe you are you are you are interested, you are investing in cryptocurrency, you wake up in the morning, your account is 0.01. By glory means that you don't see 0.01 pounds, you see a billion pounds you declare i see billion pounds that is the glory i don't know who is glory so that is the meaning of transformation so transformation here means that 
you get hold of the original thing, then you transform it. So the Greek word for transformation, which is metamorphu, metamorphu means that changing the state of something into something else, changing the state of one thing. In, oh, tonight, I don't know which family you come from. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in your background. I am interested in what God is able to transform. Yes, I am a Ghanaian. I do understand that. Yes, I am a Ghanaian. I am very poor. I do understand that. I come from a third world. Yes, I do understand that. But God is going to use someone that is from a third world that will become a wonder to the world. That is what it means. God is going to, I don't know who you are. Oh, Marobo Shakaba. I don't know who is listening to me this morning. I don't know who is listening to me this morning. That God is going to use you. You are going to transform your own state into something that is so glorious. You are that this morning. You are that this morning. He said, the more we keep looking, the more we keep looking. So keep changing your eyes on yourself. So a lot of Christians are all our languages. I, 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 I. Now shift the eye to the transformative eye. Yes, I am raising visionary thinkers tonight. I am raising experts tonight. I am raising, I am raising entrepreneurs tonight. Yes. Why do you say I? Because you focus on your weakness. Why do you say I? Because you focus on your failures. But God is saying that it is time for you to transform. Yes, it is time for you to experience the metamorphosis. Being a metamorpho, metamorphosis, metamorphosis when we're able to transform a pooper into a butterfly. That was the scenario Apostle Paul is saying that the more we look into it, and what do you mean by looking here means become possessive. You make it yours. The more you look, the more you make it yours. So those days, they read the Bible, they read the laws about those and those. But Apostle Paul says, no, we are far above it. So that is why the book of Philippians was telling us that we will come to a place of discernment and a place of knowledge. Brethren, there is nothing less than this Christian life. If you don't get this, if you don't get this, we will wallow in challenges, we will wallow in pain. But no, take your pain and transform it into something else. Take your failure and transform it into something else. Don't tell me that because God loves me, he's tempting me with Satan. No, God is not doing that. Take it that, hey, I know where you are coming from, but I'm going to use this to be transformed into a new person. The Lord bless you this morning as you are being a vessel of his glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Declare to yourself, I am transforming my generation. I, I, are you ready to do that this morning? I can see the fire. Are you ready to do that? Declare to yourself, I am a transformative agent in the name of Jesus Christ. I am transforming my generation. Christ in me, hope of glory, is now working for my good. Okay. Name of Jesus Christ. You tell somebody, yeah, sometimes people are like, oh, that's what family we are poor. No, change that word, change that word. Oh, this is our family. No, that, that, that is not that word in your family. It is a family of billionaires. It is a yes. family yes. of people who are praising God. It God. is a family. Listen to me. Maybe Jesus. you are listening to me right now. Maybe your family is like, I don't know what to say again. Maybe it's like nobody has ever been a billionaire in your family. Nobody has ever been something in your family. It is time for you to change that notion that I will be that. I will be that. You know what I'm doing in United Kingdom now? I'm not establishing a church in United Kingdom. What I'm doing in United Kingdom is that I am establishing a kingdom, a kingdom of hospitals, a kingdom of universities, a kingdom of companies, a kingdom, a kingdom. 
The Lord bless you in Jesus' mighty name. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you in all your going out and in your coming in. This week will be your most blessed week ever in Jesus' name. Love you all.